Okay, hello, um, Headstrong listeners. I uh, hope you enjoy this uh, next podcast. Um, we're very lucky to have had Mary Edwards, who was a student at Norwich High School for Girls during the 1940s. Um, and she was also an evacuee, and she came to talk to us about her experiences. It's extremely important to keep um, these memories of the past alive, um, not only because we need to learn from them for, for now and into the future, but also just because these experiences just need to be valued for what they are. Incredible stories by interesting people about the fascinating, incredible things that they did in their lives. She also has some experiences related to being an evacuee, um, experiences which are perhaps particularly uh, poignant in the current circumstances in Ukraine and, and, and Eastern Europe as they unfold at the moment. And that feeling of um, you know, what it is to be a child and geopolitics and world events happening around you and impacting you and your life. So Mary's an incredible woman. She gave an amazing uh, talk to us. It's very sadly, though we have the first 20 or so minutes of a talk, we don't have all of it, although there's a small technical problem. But what is here, I hope, will kind of inform you, educate you, and certainly um, entertained and gave me a lot more knowledge about something that's very important for us all. Okay. Now it's recording. Oh, brilliant. Okay. Sorry, Mary. Thank you. What I find difficult to believe is that when I first came to this school, it was 80 years ago. I mean, that's history. I know we're all part of history now, but 80 years ago, as I was saying, 80 years before I came in 1941 would have been the 1860s. You know, I mean, it's ridiculous. 80 years ago, not 70 or 60 or 50 or, two, or even 20 years ago, it's just the other day. And time is such an extraordinary thing. So I'm going back just a little bit more than 80 years ago to the beginning of I remember war being declared. We had a radio, that was all we had. Everybody with all their electronic things. Um, we had just a radio. We had a holiday bungalow, uh, which we'd had since I was three, and we had for about 40 years. And we were at the holiday bungalow in 1939. And I can remember hearing Neville Chamberlain make his speech to say that we were now and my mother was sitting like this listening and my mother cried and I'd never seen my mother cry my mother was not a crier my mother had two sons in their teens she had to me been through the first world war uh, with all the casualties then uh, which were her generation when she was a young woman embroiled in this world war. My father was outside, I don't think in France in the First World War, and of course, being young, I was silly, I never happened. If ever he mentioned it, we used to laugh at him, because we were stupid. That very clearly, and then before we knew where we were, there were people laden with bags and baggage, and they were in Bethnal Green, in the east end of London and sorted you out when you were evacuated, had uh, requisitions taken over. We stayed on because we were living near Yarmouth, and my parents thought Yarmouth would be bombed, so these came along and filled up all the bungalows, 
and it was lovely sunny weather, beach and the sea, and we all thought how lovely for them, lovely summer holidays, and they hated it, they just hated it. And it wasn't long before they all started trailing home again. There was no bombing in Yarmouth. There wasn't any bombing anywhere very. So we came back to Yarmouth, and at the end of May, my 10th birthday, my parents got a letter saying within four days, I'd just started at Yarmouth High School, the whole of Yarmouth High School and the whole of Yarmouth Grad because France, from the west of Germany, had been taken over by the Nazis. The Germans to come across the sea, only 20 miles, I mean, here in Yarmouth. said afterwards, every morning when she woke up in Yarmouth, she was expecting to go. We were being evacuated in 1940, June the 2nd, 1940, not the bombing, we'd had the East End people to us because of fear of bombing. But they... So on that Sunday off, we went by train and we arrived. Now, I'd never been anywhere. Um, I suppose uh, I might have been to London on the train with my holidays were spent at Scrapby, at the bungalow just up the coast. So I hadn't ever the whole story, because it's all in here. <laughs> um, we had to send a card, all of us had to send a card to our parents to say where we were. Afterwards, she didn't know whether she would ever see us again. If not, um, that would have been it. My older brother was in the Air Force. My older was with the grammar school. He and I had gone to Redford, so the three of us went. Lovely people. Um, had an extraordinary, but ordinary in a way. We had to share a school. We'd have to get to school by eight o'clock in the morning, and we'd be at school until, and we'd have our school milk. And we were there in the very, very, very renowned for being a very cold winter. So when we got our milk, um, it was frozen a bit on the top, so you'd knock that off, drink your milk. And then we'd have to walk back home again at half past two, and we'd be at school from half past two till half past five. So in their building. And we had both ends of the day. And that when we walked to school, we walked to school, of course, down, across the town and out the other side, all this in the winch dark, and I mean pitch dark, the street lights, all cars had no headlights, it was cut in the middle of the... The headlights were covered in black paper, and there was a tiny crop, but it didn't do the drivers any good. It didn't send any light out for them, um, lights at all. And of course, all households immediately had to black out all of their windows. So, uh, curtaining, thousands of yards of blackout. See, they were fastened at the side or shutters, we had shutters on the Bogney house. So in the dark, there was nothing. Walking to school in the morning at about half past seven, it was pitch dark, kind of it was pitch dark. And I don't seem to remember, I went with a friend or two, but I was only 10. And we'd do that walk four times. Coming home in the middle, uh, sort of at half past 10-ish in the middle of the morning, we the town for Coco, and can you please send me some money because I'm in debt. I owe people money for a, a thing of cocoa. And I've still got the letter. She would send a postal order to
to Mrs Clayton, my billet mother, that so she would do. It wasn't a very good idea to get in debt when you'd no means of paying for 80 years. Not a very good idea to get into debt when you haven't any. Um, so there I was for a year and a bit. Uh, started at Norwich High School and green. <laughs> we all wore green. When did you go? When did you? 2016, we lost for green, I think. In back, I mean, in fairness, <laughs> you can still see it actually in the, yeah, in the winter skirt, still <laughs> the summer dress. Exactly. Oh, right. we, we wore green t sort of uh, patterned summer dresses, um, but we all wore, we should have done, I see everybody hasn't there. Um, and green, you've got. Um, I, well, nobody ever, none of us liked the green, nobody, um, we had no choice. <laughs> so I started in upper 3P in the classroom that's upstairs with some little... Oh, that was where I started. Up a 3P. A school choir. Yeah. yeah. And do you still... Yeah? No. Anybody in the lacrosse team? The cross is gone. <laughs> <laughs> I'm horrible. But I saw a... I saw a good... <laughs> it was wonderful. I'm very, very keen on lacrosse. Um, do you still play tennis? Court four and five were the hard courts. Court one and two, court three. Here. After a Where fashion. else do you go to play tennis? <laughs> oh, they play indoors. What? They play indoors. In the sports Indoor world. tennis? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Things change. <laughs> is um, a photographer, but is very, very deeply in with tennis, particularly something called paddle tennis. Has anybody heard of paddle? Put some courts in Norwich, paddle tennis. Anyway. Oh, shall, shall we add? One to 1948, and I was saying there's some kind of quite lovely photos. There's, there's Mary Six um, dressed up for a school play at literally standing in the corner of that wall, so we, we could put it there. But um, and there's uh, Mary and uh, Sheila up, John, and there they are at the front. But I just wondered, we're all here, how the school's changed and all the things which are going on in the school in the 40s. And one of the things that stuck with me, and I'll, is we're talking about lunch. And Mary said that when she had lunch, like a 12-year-old, sit down, have your meal, and get back on the bus. So again, again, I'm 20, so again, it's a, it's a different world, isn't it? But I wonder if during the war, or anything during her time at school, or any, anything at all to Mary, if I can't see. Oh yes, it's Tony. To Mary, if I can't see. Oh yes, it's Tony. In the school during the war, and where would you have sheltered? Um, I'm afraid. Uh, I can remember other times being to be here at ten to nine, and uh, as Mr. Greenwood is just saying, at ten to one. And I was usually back here by about ten to two to go and do a bit of a game at quarter past two. Uh, lessons, and I think we finished in the afternoon. Uh, anyway, um, sort of air raid warning. There was the ordinary sirens that went, that you will have notice of that. You would, that was just a warning. But the next thing you might hear would be um, sirens going off, which was a long, deep sort of moan. Planes were nearly overhead. And so then we would go. Um, there were...
Unfortunately, during Mary telling us about her experiences of bombs dropping or bomb alarms being sounded in her vicinity, the audio got cut off for quite a while, but the story or the narrative picks up again when she's discussing the aftermath of bomb strikes and sort of how families managed to cope during this time. Steel corners and you, you went to bed in it at night, you put a mattress in and slept underneath the table. And so if the house collapsed, you would be safe under the morris. Anyway, um, this bomb dropped about three doors away and the house was full. And I can smell the very, very distinctive dust. Whenever you went past a bomb site, there was this smell of brick dust. I can remember going with Sheila, my friend, scrambling over this brick pile. Everything in that house, if it hadn't been destroyed by the explosion it was but we found underneath the stairs and they always said if you haven't got a shelter under the stairs we found one glass tumbler unbroken all they found of every single thing destroyed and remember that's still happening in some parts of the houses being destroyed by shells and bombs anyway they went their family story is another story, but that's the closest actual, actual bombs in the war. Has anybody got another question? Any other questions? So, yeah, Rosie, sorry, and then I'll cover. So what's, um, what's your most powerful memory of, yeah, of, of the war years? What's your most powerful memory? Well, that bit of evacuation, um, I remember the day that my brother, brother had been 18 when war was declared and he went straight into the Air Force. He was in Burma when the Japanese invaded Burma. I don't know for time. So he was chased out of Burma by the Japanese. And I think thoroughly enjoyed it. Um, strange back. He, I hadn't seen him from 19... In about 1946, which is a long time, so uh, we were both quite embarrassed. Um, I do remember that day him coming back. Um, uh, I remember going and making um, clothes. I was in the guides. I was in St Thomas's guides, which I loved to do parades. They used to have parades through the city of the army and the navy parades. All sorts of things happened with the guides during this. But um, I've forgotten what I was going to say about the guides now. Oh, I know. We used to go and do um, make camouflage netting in the deanery. We used to go and help at an army canteen also in doing a penny trail all the way around Castle Meadow uh, on the pay. have all sorts of um, money raising things for Spitfires and aeroplanes, something Spitfire Week or something. <laughs> and the guides used to run, have a penny trail, all the old fashioned big pennies, copper pennies. Well, people would give us pennies and we'd, it's not very exciting. Um, I remember going camping the camp and we went to Coney and camped in the woods. Normally you do woods, had to dig our own latrines. Um, very much of the war, is it? Uh, I remember a great big panic uh, because somebody thought the Germans were invading. Everybody ran in the road and everybody was panicking. But it was a barrage balloon, which had a balloons were. 
They were huge, great, I mean, as big as this room, the ground by uh, metal stuff, metal rope. They were, they were um, launched into the air over city. Because if you were a dive bomber, you wouldn't want to go among all these metal wires. We had barrage balloons over our cities. Um, I, I forgot of, you know, barrage balloons to me. Uh, Maybe, I think it's pretty <laughs> um, Eleanor, so did you have a question? Sorry. Yes, did you do anything? So did you do anything for the war effort in school? Because you were talking to me about it. Yes, yes, we did. Um, we used to have to go um, fruit picking. Um, I did this for many years, and they would send fences along the sides, and we'd be taken out to places like Surlingham. Huge fields of blackcurrant bushes, raspberry bushes, that sort of thing when we arrived. When I was in the upper sixth, we were taking our hire and they made us go potato picking every alternate day and then we'd have to go potato picking or carrot picking and that was awful because that was bad fruit picking. And um, so we went to see the headmistress and then it was, I was reminded of it by just being in your headmistress's office, a little delegation to say that we didn't think we ought to be made to go. And she said, why not? And we said, well, because we can't do our revision properly. And she said, anyway. <laughs> and we, we were, got really, really... And it wasn't wartime. This was several years after the war. I was 18. I took my A-levels, high school certificate. Uh, so this must have been 1948. But we were still on food rationing, of course. Um, and uh, the next day we went potato picking, so they were, <laughs> it just shows it doesn't do a bit mean. But we had food rationing. You see, the war finished in 1940 until, I think, about 1953. Yeah. In the war, there was hardly any petrol, so uh, normal people... So there would be no being dropped off at school by car. People either came virtually lived on my bike, um, my father had a petrol to go and see what was happening in the various businesses. Um, um, I've told you where I lived in Earlham Road. Well, where the shops and flats site of a big house called Earlham House. And that had been pulled down. And from the top, there were huge trees, and I can remember going to the top of those trees. And we used to go sledging down the slope, through the tree walls that were left, and we'd go sledging right out into the road, which was, you know, quite a lot of buses, but um, just shows how silly we were. There was hardly any petrol for anything, and um, of course there was machines. Um, uh, there were, we all had two channels. There was the home service, and what was called in the wartime days the forces became all with your electronic things, and uh, we had nothing except. And it was all right. We did a lot of reading. I've always been a great reader. And in Retford, I used to go and sit on their shed and read. There wasn't a book in their house. A book there. So um, I managed to get books to What else didn't we have? Um, do you have a question, Tony? Um, yes. Yeah. Um, I was wondering when the war ended. Yes, yeah, so when, how did you feel when the war ended? Things to the war. Um, one was in May. Uh, when they surrendered, and I, I do remember that vaguely. Paraded and, you know, there was great celebrations. Uh, anything except relief and 
it had been coming for a bit, that after the atomic bombs were dropped in August of that year, and um, a group of us were allowed uh, one evening, that, that evening, was it August the 4th? And there were great celebrations in the city and, and everybody was excited and really we thought all the people we knew that in our families were coming home. I'm afraid that's all of the audio we have for Mary's talk, but I think it ends on quite a nice uplifting note. Again, I'm sorry for all of the technical difficulties. I feel like there's a little tick every so often during the process of the audio, but I hope you enjoyed, and if you were lucky enough to have attended in person, I know we all found that talk extremely inspiring and interesting, but I hope you have a lovely day, and I hope you've enjoyed what there is of this talk, and we'll see you soon with another episode. Thank you.